Hello, I'm Jeffrey Mishlove, and today I have a whimsical topic I'd like to play around with. It has to do with the theme of archetypal resonance between two figures separated in time but related otherwise. And I, I've alluded to this in some of my past discussions uh, having to do with the fact that uh, some people have suggested that I was the great American psychologist and philosopher William James in a past life. Now, I can tell you right now, I don't accept that for the simple reason that I don't have memories of having been William James. Uh, Dr. Chuck Tremont, whom I've interviewed and who's written a book about uh, his past life regression therapy work, uh, once regressed me back to uh, and asked me to, you know, could I be William James in a past lifetime? And the most I encountered there of anything unique and original was that maybe when he was a child, people called him Billiam instead of Bill or Billy or William. But I have no record of that. I'm not able to confirm it. And in any case, it could be a lucky guess. So, uh, I gave Chuck Tremont and Walter Samkew permission in their books to discuss their hypothesis about this past life connection, but to make it clear that I don't accept it. Uh, nevertheless, I'm intrigued. <laughs> Wouldn't you be? What if I were William James in a past life? What, what wealth of discoveries would there be for me if I could reach deep within my own consciousness and pull that out? And Walter Semkew, a medical doctor who first made that suggestion when he discovered that I own the URL williamjames.com, he recommended that I try and find uh, people who are very close and important to me in this lifetime and see if they somehow match up in terms of their personality characteristics and physical features, their inclinations and patterns and habits with people who were close and known to be close in the very well-documented life of William James, who died in 1910. And to my surprise, I came up with quite a list. And Walter Semkew went to uh, the trance medium, Kevin Ryerson, also a good friend of mine who confirmed all the names in the list. And it was all correct. And, and there's been, a you know, a little bit of a mythology built up around that. And, and you can see some parallels. After all, I'm have a unique parapsychology degree. And William James was a pioneer in that very field. But so what? Uh, nevertheless, a potential link was with William James' father, Henry James Sr., a very important person, obviously, in his life, and uh, Arthur M. Young, the inventor of the Bell helicopter and cosmologist who has been a strong influence in my life. And I've, I've been thinking about uh, Henry James Sr., lately because I'm uh, developing a course on William James for the Holmes Institute. This is the organization that trains ministers in uh, a religion now known as the Centers for Spiritual Living, formerly the uh, United Church of Religious Science. So, in developing this course about William James, I've been digging in and doing a little more research on Henry James Sr. Now, Henry James Sr. 
was well known in um, intellectual circles in his day. He became a good friend of Ralph Waldo Emerson and the whole transcendentalist circle of great thinkers and writers in New England at the time. And he traveled widely in Europe and met with many well-known intellectuals then, such as Thomas Carlyle. He had a conversion experience one day he was sitting at the dinner table all by himself and his mind was shattered. He entered into this deep, dark, ugly mood and felt that there was some sort of a putrid entity haunting him. And he didn't know what to do. This persisted for a long time after that experience. It was a spiritual crisis of enormous proportions in his life. And what came out of it is that he was guided by a close friend to study the work of the great Swedish mystic, Emanuel Swedenborg. Now, Swedenborg lived in the, he was born in the 17th and lived in the 18th century, and he was most unusual man. Many of you may know he founded a religion, the Church of the New Jerusalem, and uh, they're all over the world now, the Swedenborg Church. And he wrote dozens of books uh, on his interpretations of the Bible and on his psychic encounters with angels and beings from other planets. And uh, the man literally founded a religion, a very real religion that's active today. But more than that, he, he, he was a mystic, of course, and a scientist throughout his entire life. He was very active as an inventor, as a mining inspector, and a person who published hundreds of scientific papers in his day and age on virtually every known field of science. He became involved in astronomy and in botany and uh, mining engineering and in developing uh, instruments of war for the king. And uh, it was, well, he was a nobleman and had the uh, ability to uh, engage in a wide variety of activities, all the while publishing his theological and mystical works a most unusual historical figure who had a great influence on people like William Blake, on, uh, certainly on Emerson and the Transcendentalists, and in particular on Henry James Sr., who became uh, what was known in those days. He was described as a Swedenborgian minister or preacher. He gave lectures. He wrote books and pamphlets about Swedenborg, but he never joined the church. However, he maintained that in his household, the household in which William James grew up, Swedenborg was at the core. Swedenborg was like God to these people, or let us say at least the prophet of God. That's how central Swedenborg was to the thinking of William James. Now, for Henry James Sr., what that meant in particular was his belief that the main problem facing humanity is that people are too full of themselves. They are attached to themselves, to their ego. And if people could just let go of this notion of self, if they could become more uh, harmonious, they could live in a communal environment in consonance with the will of God. Let go of the ego. 
that was a dominant theme for William James in his life. His father's religious conversion, the fervency of his uh, devotion to the Swedenborgian ideas. Now, James actually reacted against a lot of that. William James did. But even in reacting against it, he understood the enormous influence that his father had had upon him. Now, Arthur M. Young, on the other hand, was, and here's where I'm getting speculative, what if Arthur M. Young really had been Henry James in a past life? How would that look? How would that work? What would that process be like? And I'm really thinking truly more as a poet than as a parapsychologist, because evidentially speaking, there's no evidence whatsoever. I've never even discussed it with Arthur M. Young when he was alive. I didn't even learn of this possibility until after his death. But I imagine if I had discussed it with him, he would have rejected it out of hand. Nevertheless, think about it. One of the main teachings I derive from Arthur M. Young is this. You should not sacrifice your ego on the altar of spirituality. He said, First, you have to develop an ego worthy of being sacrificed. And he felt, having graduated from Princeton University in 1926 and with a great desire to do philosophy, he felt he wouldn't be worthy of being a philosopher until he had solved a major technical problem because he saw that science and technology was uh, a huge cultural movement in 1926, as indeed it was, that philosophy had, for the most part, failed to anticipate. So he set out to, um, he went to the patent office in 1926 and discovered that the, the problem of developing a vehicle that could hover in midair, a flying vehicle that could just hover in midair, the helicopter hadn't been invented. There have been 200 unsuccessful attempts at that time, and he endeavored to uh, solve that problem. And after many, many years, in 1943, he came up with a working model, which he sold to the Bell Aircraft Corporation. It became uh, in, went into production in 1947, became the Bell Model 47, the very first commercially licensed helicopter. Now, I wonder, here's, here's what my speculation is, my poetry, and it's, it's that if Henry James Sr. Uh, is digesting the lessons from his life and he realizes Swedenborg was such a big influence, but Swedenborg was an inventor. He was a man of science. That's what was made his spirituality and his willingness to sacrifice his own ego and, and, and be a humble man, that's what made it so real, is he had an ego worth sacrificing. So wouldn't Henry James wish to be reborn as a person like Arthur Young, who could really embody the very lessons that Swedenborg was exemplifying? Wouldn't that make sense? I kind of think so, <laughs> in, a, in a funny way, in a funny way. Uh, it seems to me there is like a, a, a poetic lesson in all of this. Well, 
I hope you appreciate that I'm being playful about it because I, I would love to think that I was William James and I will keep speculating about it, frankly, because I think this medium of, of these monologues is a good place for it. Uh, but for really, let's consider this uh, an example of a poetic insight because I can't really take it any further than that. But let me leave you with this question. Who are the historical figures the great men and women of the past, spiritual people or people who, who made a big impact on culture, who have inspired you the most? Who do you resonate with as regards past historical figures? Give that some thought and thank you for being with me. <laughs>